In this episode of My Mic Sounds Nice, we discuss relationships. Drake, the certified lover boy, Kanye, the lover of himself, and America's toxic relationship with drugs and the tragic loss of Michael K. Williams. Make sure you listen, because this might be the last time you hear us. (laughs) Welcome to My Mic Sounds Nice, a freestyle conversation on health, relationships, and culture. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Jones. Always glad to be in the building. My mic sounds nice. This is Kevin, a.k.a. Reggie Jacks, coming from the Bronx. Thanks for joining us today. My mic sounds nice. This is Aaron from Long Island. Dude, Rider putting them miles in. So, as we wrap up the summer, what was some of... Our collective highlights. Uh, we school years getting ready to get started. Lowlights. Yeah, highlights, lights. lowlights, midnights, <laughs> flashlights, <laughs> break lights. <laughs> but first thing I want to say, I want to give a shout out to all of us and our anniversaries. I know all of our anniversaries fall within a kind of a ten day stretch. You know, we're all twenty plus. Yeah, no so, doubt. Um, yes, salute, salute, we salute to our wives we didn't and do anything wrong. yes. Well, we did yes. stuff wrong. They just forgave, but, <laughs> but basically, we forgave them too. We let's let's keep it a hundred. Like you know, we wasn't it wasn't always just on us. But no, we definitely wanted to uh, honor August as our, our month where we all celebrated our anniversaries. Uh, for Vanessa and I was twenty three, and I went down that road and got a new ring. Whew. Have times has times and prices changed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a yeah. new world, but that, you, that is you, uh, you shutting us all down with that one. <laughs> I, I can't even compete. Can't, yeah. can't even speak after that. Yeah, I, I, I tried some jewelry, but it, it wasn't a ring. But um, yeah, yeah. For for us, it was a uh, twenty-two. You know, we uh, kind of stayed local, so we went around, did some things here in the city, which was cool. Uh, thinking about it. My parents were married for 51 years, you know, before they, uh, before my father passed first. And her parents have been married for more than 50 years. Now, I'm in the year 22. I'm like, yo, 28 more years to get to 50? Wow. <laughs> it seems man. far, far, far away. Yes. Yeah. Well, part of it is uh, we got we got married. I think we probably got married at an age late. that was later than our parents. Cause I often think, which then at the Aaron share your piece, it ties into our health because in order for me to see 50, I got to see 80 because I, I got married <laughs> yeah, at 30. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. None of us did the 23 year old married thing. You know, that wasn't uh, going on in our crew. <laughs> Although but, we knew them at 23. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Which is the crazy <laughs> thing about it, you know. Uh but yeah, now nah, I I put in twenty one right behind y'all. Pulling up the rear. A lot of prep work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for real. For yeah. real. Uh no, but yeah, it's crazy because if you think about the years before we actually got married, I guess we were together. Maybe eight years, seven years, something like that before we got married. So uh, it'd be nice to take count and tour to 50, but they don't. 
<laughs> so with also another highlight for the summer, uh, we had mentioned this before, but two thirds of my mic sounds nice took on a monumental bike ride that thankfully was able to take place in between two catastrophic storms. Uh, when you think about it, though, uh, talk about that. That what a way to round out summer. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was uh, it was definitely a fun ride. You know, we had the chance. Um, two of the three have of the people that we ride with have new bikes. I don't yet. Still waiting for my bike. But um, you know, we were able to do it. The forty miles. It was. Before the race, the, the ride typically happens in May when you go through all five boroughs. So in May, it's typically the first Sunday in May. It's always cold. It's like maybe 50, low 60s. And it may Definitely. get warm. If it gets warm, it gets into the 70s. So we're thinking, oh, great. In August, it's going to be a nice warm day to ride. It's cold. It's overcast. It's like 60 degrees. Rain Kevin starts to fall. <laughs> Kevin got on a hoodie. Like, yeah, it, it 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 was like another May Day, man. Yeah, but but it wound up being like actually it was it was perfect weather to ride actually to do forty miles in because it was yeah. it wasn't sweaty it wasn't it was nice. I, I can honestly say because I've improved my situation and I I actually had I I did more riding this year before the tour than ever, and that's partly because it's in August and, you know, the beginning of May, you're not out there riding too much uh, in that cold. So I would say, even though we are older than we've ever been, we finished it probably faster than we've ever done before. But I didn't walk a, a foot of that tour, you know. So I, I made I made sure of that. Uh, I think Kevin, uh, he wanted to take pictures at the top of the Verrazano. I'll definitely say I was happy he wanted to take pictures at that point. <laughs> That's when you're like, yo, but it's perfect. It's like, you want pictures? It's like, okay. Although I could have, you know, I could have kept riding, but I, I wasn't objecting to him, his pictures. But T- yeah, Typically, not, the marshals won't let you take pictures. They As soon as yes. you try to stop and take pictures, they'll move you along. But yes. I guess they were understaffed because of COVID, so. He got away with stuff. <laughs> and of course. Yeah, there was craziness going on. And of on. course, you're like, yo, I can't leave my man here. So I got to I gotta <laughs> stop pedaling while he takes these great photos. <laughs> no doubt. While we take this selfie. Exactly. Uh, you know, but nah, it was, it, was, it was definitely a good ride, man. And uh, we knocked it out. Shout out. Shout, October 11th. Shout out to Atco. He, he, was, the, he, he was part of your riding yes. team. So yes, and he he did his thing. He definitely did his thing. He was prepared and he was energetic even when we were done. Hmm. So October eleventh is the day Kevin gets his bike. So I can tell you we'll be riding in October because I'm sure he's gonna want to be on it and we'll finally be. Oh, I, 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 I ride all the time. I ride in the winter time. As long as, long as it's above thirty degrees, I ride. Yeah. We have a little difference of opinion on that. One. Uh, we'll, we'll update you in future shows on who wins the thermostat, the thermostat bike battle. Yeah, one one America. You see behind us a Peloton behind me on my left. So I'll be on. That's that. his. That's his winter bike. But 
you know. I don't know. I, I, I think I think Kev has the art of persuasion. I think we'll see Aaron out there bundled up. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook <laughs> to catch him out there riding. <laughs> You're probably right, Tim. I hate to say it. I was about to right. say, that peer pressure, that brother is strong. Now, we might have little squiggly signs and cloud captions over his head because we try not to cuss. <laughs> but I promise you, there's going to be a cold day. Reggie Jacks is going to get cussed out because <laughs> his boy's going to be out Why there. Why are we riding. out here? <laughs> what are we doing out here? Why are we riding close to the park? Ed is cold. Yeah. Tim. Tim, he got me out here by the water, exactly, man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sounded like the intro to LL. Because <laughs> he's bad. Oh, so, man. But yeah. But, but nah, it's been a great summer um, health-wise. Like everybody in the fives. Especially you too, brother, man. Getting stronger. Yeah, the, my, my wife and I, we started going to the track. And now we go to the gym. So actually been been able to run on the treadmill and do some consistent miles and hadn't done that before so nah it just just feels good but you know can we just all get along do we have to pick a team or can we just enjoy music Kanye finally released Donda after being delayed for years, and Drake followed with the certified lover boy. They've been talking about, about each other for the past few weeks. Do either of the albums live up to the hype? It depends on who's hype. Yeah, I um, in listening to them, I'm a fan of both artists, and it's kind of a love hate relationship, probably with both of them wanting more. Uh, I enjoy the Donda more than the Drake, but um, yeah, we can kind kind of kind of dig into it a little more. A, a little more later, but I I find that um, Donda has more highs and lows, and Drake is just oh, Drake kind of puts me to sleep. <laughs> you know, as as I, good, I, eh? no, no, good, no, good, as, good, as good. in listening, and just even preparing for this, like yo, we're gonna dive in and talk to both of the uh, talk about both of these albums. Uh, I I also I remind myself that I'm I'm getting older. And I still, my love for hip hop is unwavering. But what I love as far as artistry and what moves me definitely is changing. So when listening to Drake's album, for me, the two songs that I would dare say I I like the most was the first one, Champagne Poetry, and the last one, the remorse. In between, I just felt it became redundant. I'm so rich. I can do this to these women. And and that narrative just began to wane on me. But there are certain times when he rhymes where it's like, okay, I'm I'm definitely feeling that. So I, I just that was kind of my takeaway on on the Drake album that I feel like is probably more me changing than oh he fell off cuz I feel like it's constant and consistent Drake and 
And see, for me, that's always been the problem with Drake. And I guess it's kind of a little similar to what Kevin has said. Like, I don't have a problem with not one song on that album. But I find very little difference between track four and track nine. And I don't, you know, I don't mean that specifically. I mean it like in a general sense, it's all the same vibe. Sometimes even the choruses, I feel like I've heard that chorus before with different words. I've heard that, you know, that, you know, that flow of the chorus done by him in a different way. There there was definitely some recycling of melodies. There there was some recycling (laughs) of melodies to the point of what you're speaking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a shame because I was just speaking of the flow of how he was saying the chorus, not even the melody of the chorus. So, so that's a, that's a, that's a double whammy, Tim, you know, uh, and I, didn't dislike any of it, you know. Um, but I wasn't like, oh wow, I have to listen to that song again. And then I'll, I'll tell you, way too sexy, man. You know, with Future talking about I'm too sexy. That was, that was bad. Someone should have said, <laughs> you know what? We are not right. What right said Fred? Yeah, we we yeah. are not. This is not you. You ain't like that. Not, <laughs> no, are you kidding? I'm too stop, yeah. man. Way no. too sexy. Way too. I, it, I, I found it entertaining. It was different. It was different than the rest. So yeah, it broke up the monotony. I enjoyed yeah, I, that. I, I, I thought. I mean, well, you do that with something that's not a ridiculous statement. I mean, it, the first song is almost like a comedy. I'm too sexy. Like certified hey. lover boy. That's the name of the album. It fits right into the way yeah. he's at. I'm the best. Everybody yeah. loves me. And then I'm just yeah. Uh, and then trying to figure out the the album art. Like it's it's just some things are just too coded. And then sometimes people try to make it more complex than what it is. And uh, I just think in 2021, also the the girls want girls was problematic <laughs> because if the girls really want girls, then they don't want you. But, you know, it's like, yeah, but that's that's a male ego thing that we believe that we can make girls who want girls really want us while they want the girls, which is is like, eh, yeah, you know, and that's what I'm just saying in 2021. But I know that that's 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 me. Um, I did like the it's like hip hop version of convergence. (laughs) I I do like the the you do you do you only live twice one? Um, Yes. Because I think a lot of people now, I will say, a lot. I think a lot of people sleep on Rick Ross. I, I feel Ross can go, and yeah, um, that joint just kind of brought that energy yeah. and that fire um, with him yeah. and Lil and him and, and Lil Wayne, and then the three of them together, like yeah. that. That's that's undeniable. Like you got to give credit where credit's due. They they can come together and yeah. give you a couple of bangers. So that was that was a highlight. Uh, on on that's the, totally. I, fair. I just want. Totally I wanted more. I like the seven a.m. on the bridal path, just because that was just Drake, just kind of rhyming, reminded me of old school, just giving you stuff and less of the harmonizing. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah. O- o- overall, I would say it's a uh, if you're a Drake fan, 
you'll like it. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it was my uh, my 21-year-old cousin. He sent me the remorse track. And he was like, cuz, this is my favorite song on the album. And so when I listened to that, I was like, okay, I I I, I can get it. Uh, you know, he he just dabbles into making it more comfortable to talk about just mental health and issues and remorse and and the like. So which I think hip hop is doing at least a good job on creating the stage. It's not providing the answers, but I don't think art is supposed to be tasked with that level of responsibility. But if it can create the stage, then I think yeah. it can it can throw a great assist. We may have to still make the shot, uh, but yeah. but that was that that's, was that was cool. Yeah, no, that's fair, and that's exactly what you do want to ask of art. And I think what you're saying is correct. You. Know, you don't want to ask too much of art also because then you're delving into an area that's not its responsible. Without a doubt. Without it's without just, a doubt. It's, it's to just highlight highlight issues. Without a doubt. But but it shouldn't be trying yeah. to resolve it. But the beauty of it is is that him and I had fostered a relationship that I knew he knew I would respond to it in that way. And that that's that's what makes it for us in that context, a, a great song. And so I hope other people vibe off of that. Uh, let's go to Donda. <laughs> yes. Yes. Did he do his mother honor? I think he did. And, and when I, when you really kind of listen to the album, it seems like this is the religious album that he tried to do. I don't know, two years ago, year and a half ago. I, I, I can't remember, but, um, you know, it, it was definitely very religious. It was, um, you know, and he, he got the artist to tap into, I guess, kind of loss or just talking about, I guess, loss, his mother and different things, which, which I definitely appreciated. I, I, I thought it was, um, you know, some things I liked, some things I didn't like, but I, I definitely think that it was, um, there was some, something, some remnants of, an older Kanye, not the old Kanye, but a, <laughs> but an older Kanye, which I could appreciate. He's still a little, uh, you know, suffering from the mental health challenges, though. Kev, to your point about the this this kind of religious album, I think the the Jesus is King album, if it was more of a new declaration of of faith. That and so the emphasis was more on I'm just elevating this message about who I believe Jesus to be for me. And on Donda, I feel like there was more of an attempt to apply either certain lessons or attributes from his faith to real things that were happening in his life. Uh, the references to uh, his pending, I guess, divorce. Uh, A, to your point about the honoring of, of his mother, I felt like the album was more grief processing. And I guess there is a level of honor as you go through, as you go through grieving. I feel like there was probably a lot that he had been grappling with and holding on to regarding her that came out. Uh, I thought it was really dope to hear her voice 
uh, on it and some of the things that that she that she was saying. So I'll, I'll, I'll pause there and let you build because there's definitely other points to bring out. You know, I was, you know, immediately after uh album came out, you know, I asked uh, Kevin son, Kyle and his friend about the Kanye album. And they were like, oh, greatest album of the year. They really loved it. And I hadn't heard the album yet. And when I listened to it and I understood like, okay, I was like, okay, this is a different sound. And it's a sound that, you know, it's not, you know, totally there, but I feel it in certain parts of the album. Like there's a house music vibe to it um, with some of the deep bass in some of the tracks. And I, I was like, you know what? I could see a young 16 year old liking that and because they've never heard that before and you know i'm not saying he just straight jacked house music or anything like that that's not what i mean but you can see that this is the child of that that sound and i was like you know what that would be appealing to to anybody because when i was first introduced to house and that constant steady nativeness about about the music um is really appealing so beyond the lyrics and beyond the subject matter i was like you know what i could see how that would appeal to somebody who you know probably never listened to any music that sounded like that at all and i don't know what you guys feel i was extremely shocked at the length of both of those albums <laughs> in the world that we live in now you know five minute songs yeah, four minutes. Yeah, well, yeah. Like they went. So back he got a, to the he has a nine minute song on there. Yeah, you know, eight, and, eight and fifty. Yeah, and Drake has a, almost a six minute. Remorse is almost six minutes long. Yeah, so those go against the grain of how we just talked a few months ago about how cats want two and a half minute songs. They want spins, you know. And I guess when you're Drake and you're Kanye, you don't worry about those things. But uh, you, you don't you, need to you, get but in the you, system. You but you're touching on a really great point because honestly, like, I felt <laughs> that Kanye. I, I just I was like, yo, is this a is this a double album? Like Pac yeah. did because yeah. just the length the yeah. length of time, uh, and then Drake comes the following week and he got 21 joints and. In other albums, when the numbers are that high, they're counting like intros and snippets as songs because yeah. it'll be 20 tracks, but the album will be 48 minutes or something like that. So this, I mean, the closest one might have been the Donda chant that was just that, but this was really a very full amount of music to take in. And to even process and going through that felt different because we're in a place in space where you just don't get music that way. Yeah. You got 126 minutes for Certified Lover Boy. And Donda is a, I mean, an hour and 26 minutes rather. Yeah. For Certified Lover Boy. And an hour and 48 minutes for Donda. Yeah. Yeah. 
and a typical <laughs> album, even in the heyday of traditionally formatted three verses, two hooks, and a bridge, an album would be 50 minutes long. But but then you, you do get classics like Illmatic, 39, 39 yeah. minutes in... 48 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You yes. think Marvin, Marvin Gaye's was going on felt. was 39 minutes. But remember how you felt. Remember how you felt, though, with Illmatic. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is a short album. Although you loved it and you didn't care that it was short, you felt yeah. like 11 cuts was a little bit short. You know, maybe that explains why back in the day I went to see Nas at some show. I can't remember. Kilimanjaro's or, or something <clears throat> here in the city and paid $20, which felt like a lot back in the day. And my man did it was a, lot. A, a verse from Live at the Barbecue, a verse from another song, and <laughs> another verse, and then bounced off the stage. I was like, yo. <laughs> that's, that's one song. <laughs> he did a track and left us. But, but also, I, I, I think, um, to, to your point, A, the... The length of the songs, I feel, is where there's been more of the difference than even the whole the whole project. Because definitely, yeah, when we were coming up, you wouldn't see a two minute and forty six second song. It's like what 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 is that? Whereas now, you're shocked. Because there was a couple of times when I was listening, I'm thinking, yo, did I zone out? And it went to another song, but it sounds the same. And then I look like, oh, this song is five minutes and fifteen seconds long, or this song, you know. So it it is yeah, it yeah. it will be it'll be interesting to see which ones go to radio and do they adjust or or change those those formats now? Because I'm 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 presuming, and I thought I listened to a lot of radio that radio is adapting to the shortened. Uh, songs and and some of these songs would would feel long if it was on on radio. <laughs> yeah. Would you think about the uh, the version? What was it? Tell the vision. That's a song with Pop Smoke. I mean, that, that one was under two minutes. Yes, but it, it it only had Pop Smoke. I don't I don't even know if Kanye was on that at all. Yeah. But, but one of the things I do find annoying is that what yeah, I don't cut? see who's Huh? Sorry, what, what, one of the things I'm finding annoying is that I don't see him listing who's on the track. Yes. So it's like I got to look at a different source. I'm I'm a little old. I don't know all the voices. It's called tell. It's called tell the vision. Yeah, that was that was a part for me too. And I was like, man, should I have to go online to see like who all of these people are? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I, yeah, I find I find myself using Genius. Yeah. Cause they have they have the features right there, but I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to do this. And then it was, and then it was some joints on Kanye's that just repeated, but then added people on on to it. That was kind of like, okay, like the Jesus Jesus Lord, and then it's Jesus Lord Part Two, uh, and, yeah. and other stuff like that. So, I, I, I think Jesus Lord was what the one with Jay Electronica yes. and Larry Hoover, yes, and then Jesus Lord Two. He added the locks. That probably came after the verses. Was like, oh, hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. Yeah. But then, the, but then the thing is, is normally when I when you think of part two, I'm thinking of remix. 
you don't then play yeah. the entire first part Ta- and then attach the locks to the <laughs> and, 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 and you punch them in. Like, <laughs> so yeah, you know, Kanye has always been a guy to do revisions. You know, in my research, I came across something where Drake was like, you know, Kanye likes to rework stuff. You know, and I hate changing things uh, after I do it. And you get the feeling with Donda that he was changing up to the last minute. Yeah. And when music feels like that, I think there's more on the table. And because sometimes when you do that, you can mess up good things. You don't always make it better. Like you can go too far. I felt like he was trying to be reflective within the album at points. But not quite like in the one song, Lord, I Need You. We was talking about Kim. And it was almost like a a 444 Jay-Z, but not not in that complete reflective way. Not in a way where where Jay-Z was kind of like the work was done and he's continuing on the path. He's still trying to, he's, uh, I don't know, I think he's just, I don't even know if he recognizes what the problem is. I think he just knows there is a problem and he's rhyming about his problems, the the ones that he sees. And there's another song in Pure Souls. Well, he says the line, what is it? It was, it ain't uh, how I used to be. It ain't how I used to be. This is the new me. So get used to me. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like jail. And, and uh, I like, it's interesting that both Drake and Kanye got a, got a Jay-Z verse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I like, I like, I like his, on Drake. I like his performance on Drake better. I don't know what you thought. For for Jay, I felt like the Drake on on the Drake it was um it's more accessible straight off the top with with jail you have to understand the concept of the song and then you're like oh okay now I, now yeah. I get with the verses I felt yeah I, I felt I felt Jay on jail was more complex. So I appreciated it more because just in the song of and then in this connotation, like in the sense of being jailed to be free from a spiritual sense to just is it a literal sense? And then Jay took it to a like an artistic and a mental sense. So um, I felt like there was more there was more thought provoking elements in it. Uh, but I could definitely see what he did with Drake. Like, oh, you, like you would be a fool to not have this as a single. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. But, but when you look at Jail Two, and he does Jail Two with uh, Marilyn Manson and the Baby. Oh goodness! And, which is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which was, you know, just kind of crazy. That, I think that one is probably more accessible to uh to more people. Yes. Because yeah. people people understand the baby and his issues, and he's uh, you know, while he talks about being canceled and Marilyn Manson just singing in the hook. I don't know if people know why he was canceled, but you know, some, some pretty uh, pretty bad allegations. We'll yeah, say. I, I would, I hope, and I mean, and I don't think it was present in in either project, um, but just over time, like if it, I, I'll continue to bring out as hip hop continues to get older you now have artists that are covering different decades of age. And I would hope as they come together, there's just a natural 
exchange that lifts both up. Because I'm not making it saying that the older one is always right and the younger one is always in need. So that's what I'm saying. Just lift both up. Like just how you started off a saying that, hey, you got insight from some 16 year olds to their thoughts about Kanye. And so because now you you're you're having these albums now where easily you got artists in their 20s, artists in their 30s and artists in their 40s. You know, in some instances, you got early 50s but you're definitely now for the for the heavyweights you're getting 20 year olds 30 year olds and 40 somethings together and i just want more i want i want reflection that reflects that because the three of us we've been brothers since we were 18 if we were having conversations and engaging and creating something with our 20 something self and 30 something selves and our 40 something selves the narrative wouldn't just be a monolith. So that's what I I would love to see that come about. Yeah. And I think it's healthy for the music too, to have all of those generations vibing together. Because it's, and you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it, but I, I think that, collaboration and conversation and talk amongst the uh, different generations is the healthy and smart and wise thing to do. Yeah. So, so I, know, not snap. as we other. bring this, we got to talk about the life of the party. <laughs> I almost forgot. We, we can't talk about these two albums and... <laughs> You know, I mean, did did you did you hear it? Uh, Drake leaked, uh, supposedly yeah. leaked. He put out <laughs> <laughs> a, a song that features Andre three thousand and Kanye, but Kanye is talking about Drake, where Andre three thousand is really building off of the theme of Donda. So I felt for Andre 3000. (laughs) Especially when he jumped on it because he recently lost his mom. So that's why he felt inspired to be. Yes. Yes. And then you end up in some mess that you don't want to be involved in. Which is which is you not know, which is Andre not your style. Like so, I really felt for him. Yeah, Andre's not. Messy. Yeah, that that's yeah, that not is not him. When, when I when you listen to the track and you got to know that it's a good song. <laughs> I haven't heard it. I so tried on, to find so, it. I couldn't. So it's, it's on it's on YouTube. I'll shoot you the link. It's, it's, on, but, but it's, it's easy. It's funny because a lot of the YouTube links only have the Kanye verse on it. You got to dig a little bit to find one that has the Andre three thousand. <laughs> And Kanye, because when you listen to them together, they don't match at all. I mean, one is super reflective and talking about like my no, mother. Say what's going on? Like, yeah, be, because like yeah, because because Andre, like it really felt like like it's like Andre, and he said he wrote this. He put out a statement, kind of. He wrote this verse for the Donda album. He said he wanted to put out a clean album, and was it a clean album in the sense there'll be no profanity, or is it going to be a clean album where yeah. the the profanity would be radio edited 
out or what have you. But as you said, without even listening to it, like Andre was regarding the grieving process of Kanye for his mother with the grieving process for his mother, their mothers being together. Like, you know, Andre, Andre 3000, he's, he's a great reflective writer. That's what you, that's what you get. And then Kanye is rhyming, taking shots at Drake. (laughs) And they've been put together on this one track. Like, first of all, the name of the track is life of the party. I'm grieving my mother. <laughs> and I'm yeah. honoring you yeah. grieving yours. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> wow. So cuz and and Andre's explanation kind of sounded weird because he was like I need the dirty version out there for people to hear that also I, basically. I don't even remember his cursing or his uh the the filth within it. <laughs> it was it was yeah, it was he felt metaphor, it, he felt it, it was minimal important. but and and I I was taken aback by that too a eh? that cuz it was like You you heard yeah, it Yeah, right? cuz it yeah. but it wasn't yeah. You heard that expression. Like yeah, there there was a couple of explicitives in it more around the emotion that he was conveying but you know yeah. he's never been not enough he, to kill yeah he's never like, been known to give you a type of profanity lace yeah. narrative that it's like yeah. to make an edit yeah. be like yo this joint is gonna be an instrumental for 16 bars <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not like, like it's like not like broken english yes <laughs> it's not like 90 yeah it's not like '92 Ice Cube. Without the dirty version, you you'd be like, huh? it, it wasn't. There was yeah, no it, it wasn't. It wasn't Akinelli or Apache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, oh, be like said, yeah. And if you don't know, then you don't know. <laughs> exactly. So just on this, just on these two albums, not don't don't bring in. Everything you know, all this other stuff, like just the, these two albums. And we ain't even gonna take. Gonna we ain't gonna say, take the time to even explain. Just who you got? I, I say to Drake, and just for the consistency, I, I just have to say to Drake. I'm, but I'm, I feel like my arm is twisted. <laughs> I, I'm I'm choosing the Kanye. Just it's uh, it's more. There's more depth. There's more layers to it yeah. for me. What you got? I, Tim? I'm choosing. I'm choosing Kanye close. More, more, a little more, more depth, more depth to meet, more depth to to get in. It's it's close though. It, it was close. It'd be like one of those fifty two forty eight Kanye. <laughs> All right, let me ask y'all this before we move on: Is there any uh, elite wrestling been going on in this whole situation? Are we yes. watching a WWE, or are these cats really clapping at each other? Or what? Or is it WWE that got serious at some point? That got real. It seems all play to me. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's definitely some ego in it because these, are, I mean, these dudes are filled with ego and they all love themselves. How great they are! But there's definitely a lot of play in this. Like, like even to the point where I thought it was crazy when Kanye uh, put out his address, and then people were like, "Yo, his address is out all over the place." I mean, even though it is, that seemed kind of crazy. Yeah, to, to me, to me, it it, it, it feels it feels it feels play. Yeah, it feels play. But my there's some apprehension because you're still dealing with grown men, and all it takes is one thing to be processed 
the wrong way. And then that joint could go off the rails. Particularly when one of the people doesn't uh, processes things differently. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, and, and, and so, and I'm hoping that it doesn't leak. Cause I mean, I, who knows who's in Kanye's camp now where I was, I would say I was, I was more concerned when it was Drake and Meek Mill. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, mm, Meek ain't that far removed. I think that it was WWE that that dipped into reality, and I think there was I think that there was some things that they might have been on the phone or tweeting each other laughing about, and there might have been some stuff that they didn't like. You know? Yeah, and even like the stuff where when Pusha T mentioned you know, that Drake had a child and Drake verbally and publicly saying, hey, I believe Kanye told him that, you know, because they had been working on the album before that. So it's like, you know, I was around Kanye. Now Pusha T is saying this and Pusha T was like, nah, I got it from your producer. Your producer's talking to his women. His women are talking. So I think that's something that if that happened to Drake, Drake's not gonna like that, man. So I think that they're frenemies. Yeah. I think that I think it's kinda like that situation where they're frenemies and it, it crosses the line sometimes. Yep. I agree. Recently, we lost actor Michael K. Williams to drug addiction. He played colorful characters throughout the years and is most known for as Omar in The Wire. Um, we found out that he passed away from what is supposed, what they believe is drug addiction, possibly fentanyl. And, you know, now the, the whole community is kind of reeling about that and everybody's talking about it. It just brings up some things around drug addiction and the impacts within our community. You guys have anything to say about Michael K. Williams' untimely passing? I'll say this. I was talking to my wife, and I don't, you know, I bet if you look up statistics, we're probably not losing any celebrities at a greater rate than we typically do throughout history. But I'll tell you one thing, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like yeah. it. Since this pandemic, it feels like we are losing important key people in our community. And they may be in little pockets, like Michael K. Williams is in a little pocket. And, you know, he didn't have, say, the public impact of maybe a Chaz, um, uh, Chadwick Bozeman did. But what he was actually doing in the community and being... uh active on a grassroots level and still living in Brooklyn and those type of things are connected to his people. And then the roles that he gave life to and gave humanity to, he was a, a, a heavyweight in, in his own, in his own regard, but it, it just feels like we are losing some really important people the important cog to the community. And I, I'm almost certain that stats would bear out that things are going normally, 
but they don't feel normal to me. I think to your point, A, that statistically speaking, you're probably correct. I think where we are in our lives heightens the impact. You just don't think about, you don't process death the same way when you're in your 20s. And when we were coming up, and then also I think the way people die impacts how we process as well. And and I'll say for me, being in my early 50s, I'm paying attention to peers passing differently. You know, Chad Chadwick, not just because of who he was, it's like, yo, you're late 40s and it was cancer? That joint hit. You know, learning about Michael K. Williams, like, oh, he's he's would have been 54 in in November and his and his drugs and alleged or what have you, like it it just hits. And um I think with social media we learn about it more. So it, it, it and yeah, it, but yeah. I but I also feelings are important. It feels different, and and it is a lot to process. But uh, as you said, he it, it's disappointing sometimes that you learn more about some people's impact in their lives when they pass. I'll I'll yeah. be the one call me naive. I learned so much about Nip. After he passed. And and so (laughs) it was like knowing of Michael K. Williams as an actor, but he also came and spoke to one of our schools for Science Genius. And he he was talking to the students. He was very upfront with them about what he dealt with being dark skinned, what he dealt with feeling like he wasn't enough and all of these things that made him so relatable uh, that sometimes when you're just seeing the person on screen, you don't get to know and fully appreciate. I think as as an actor and kind of the role that he played in uh, in The Wire kind of changed kind of perceptions within the Black community, changed kind of how we view homosexuality. He was the first role where there was a... a where somebody being a homosexual was, well, the first kind of major role like that, where that wasn't the story. Like, yes, he was a homosexual, but it was like anybody being heterosexual. He's he's out here robbing people. Like, that. that's really his thing. He just happens to be homosexual. And some of the lines with, with just within that are things that we still say to this day that are, are to carry on. Like, you come at the king, you best not miss. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, man got to have a code. How you expect to run with the wolves come night when you spend all day sparring with puppies? Like it, it's just <laughs> there, there's there, there's just things, and he just he brought a he brought a uh, he kind of brought humanity to that role, and he did that in so many other things that he did. And Lovecraft Country was kind of the last major thing he had uh, shows, documentaries on TV, and, and and just different things. And he was yeah. It's 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 sad to see somebody pass away particularly from an overdose and particularly from like an overdose when, you know, which, which didn't have to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because 
in some ways, I don't want to talk about Omar on the wire because I feel like that's pigeonholing him and he was so complex. However, everything you said, Kevin, is a thousand percent correct. The humanity and the complexity that he brought to Omar as a character on also, you know, a show that humanized everybody from drug dealer to the mayor and everybody in between. You had complex, complete human beings, no matter what you did, basically real life, you know, uh, and that being the first time you've ever seen that on television. I didn't know that he had struggled with um with addiction or 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 substance abuse and and um I, I guess I I, I kind of want to make the point of I, earlier I said that he overdosed but the reality if it was fentanyl in it he didn't overdose he was poisoned yeah I I don't know if you guys know but there was a death the day before from fentanyl of a comedian out in Cali Fuquan Johnson. His next door neighbor is also a comedian. She's in like intensive care and he died and the person he was partying with died and they had cocaine. And uh, unfortunately that cocaine had some fentanyl in it. You know, it killed him. And the thing about it is that these dealers can cut this fentanyl. They can put it in other drugs because it's cheap and, you know, people are buying stuff and they don't know what it is. And fentanyl is a hundred times stronger than, than heroin. And car fentanyl is at least a hundred times stronger than fentanyl. So you're talking about, you could have a couple of little, you know, I don't even know what to call them, little niblets of it on the table. And the cops got to come in in a hazmat suit because it'll kill people. This is significant to the community, man. You know, it's, it's something that's been going on. It's something that's been happening. Um, Kind of throughout, I know it's uh, kind of fueling just the uh, heroin and the heroin deaths all, all over the place. I believe uh, even Michael Jackson was it Michael Jackson. Didn't he die from fentanyl? Uh, well, no, he died from um, Profivol, but mm-hmm. there were other Prince died from fentanyl. Prince from fentanyl, gotcha. It, it was Prince. Uh, but I know when um, was it when he when Heath Ledger passed when he OD'd. And I believe there was fentanyl in his stuff. They tracked down the person. They ended up people getting convicted. Even with Mac Miller, when he passed, they recently uh, yeah, were able to track yeah. down the person and uh, and do them. I I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping they can catch the person that did it because he was poisoned. But more importantly, I need this to stop just being for just when stars pass from fentanyl poisoning. It needs to be something yeah. that's uh, that happens all along. I, I love the fact that I would love if we even as a community treated it as poison you know just like like the fact that you're saying fentanyl poisoning um but we're we're as a community we're not treating that as as such yeah now i think you two have brought up some really um great points i i mean i think that if we label this as a poison it takes away the lazy thinking of oh this is an overdose because if we can call it an overdose, we can put it in a neat little box, we can move on, we can make it an individual situation, we don't have to make it communal, even though even though we should make overdoses communal also. But it's it's it makes it very lazy 
without us doing the analysis. So I appreciate the point that both of y'all brought up because if we do label it as a poisoning, then you got to say, hey, there's a poisoner. We have to deal with that. Then if we're dealing with these guys cutting all types of drugs with, with fentanyl or cutting fentanyl with all types of corrosive other drugs and other additives that aren't humanly, I mean, healthy for humans. And we can actually go after these guys who are doing this solely for profit. Then it's not about them just being drug dealers. They're almost murderers because they know that they're cutting stuff that certain people will get killed. And they know the sickness of it is that addicts will say, hey, it killed that person. It must be a really good drug. It won't yes. kill me. They don't know what they did. Yes. But I'm going to be able to get that high yeah. from it. They didn't they, they didn't do it properly. But uh but also yeah. uh it's my hope that one of the things that he started uh was the organization Making Kids Win, which was focusing on providing opportunities for young people who may have been dealing with issues around incarceration or what have you, but just really giving young people some of the resources and opportunities that wasn't available to him. Uh, his nephew is the director of that organization and is making kids, okay. making kids win.com. I believe that if he was able to say how I would want you to honor me, it would be probably somewhere in the realm of continuing to advance the work. I'm sure HBO is going to make The Wire accessible in the near future. And I'm probably going to binge a few. Just to There's enough people in the community. Make, you know, we might have to pull out a VCR and have a beta party or something. <laughs> <laughs> real, My brother already you sent know. me a, a Google <laughs> clip this morning. They like, you got to watch this if nothing else. So I'm already, I'm already o- being Omar's, drawn Omar's in. coming. Yeah, yeah. So, but. Oh, no, that's, that's the king of quotes. And, and you know, Tim, we like quotes from movies. <laughs> Man. The Wire. If I told you they have two hundred, they have three hundred quotes. Well, I was impressed. I was impressed. I was impressed in Kev's intro because a couple of the things that he (laughs) said, I had actually heard. I didn't know where it came from. I just was like, "That sounds dope." My man was. It's like that's Omar. Like, but you you been with puppies? It's like, whew. (laughs) You come at the king. You best not miss. (laughs) But I, brothers. All right. So I, I guess we're about to close it out with the Robinson report, eh? Yes. Yes. I, I'll go I'll go first quick. Uh, you okay. know, actually, in listening to the Donda album to to get ready uh for this and you know, be, being a minister and, and listening to all of the references that are in the album for the Robinson report, I wanted to shed light on Tracy Lee's Glory album that came out in 2020. Uh, uh, to me, it's a it's a great album. One, I'm I'm just a Tracy Lee fan, and the fan is heightened Absolutely. because I know him. But I feel the way he addressed some of those same nuances and and just talking about faith and having the album uh, called Glory and having it come out during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up for the Robinson Report, and it's now available on 
various streaming platforms. At first, it was just only available at Tracy Lee uh, music.com, but now you can get it on Spotify and things like that. So it's definitely a, a great listen. So shout out to Trey Lee and glory. Shout out to Trey. Sounds good. So for me, I did pick a piece of fiction. I don't know. It's uh, entertaining. It, it, the name of it is The Other Black Girl by Sakia Dalila Dalali Dalala Harris. And it's about this uh, 26-year-old editorial assistant in the building. Um, she's the only black woman that works there in the office. Another black girl is hired and kind of uh, then she starts having threatening messages and things are bad. So it's kind of the other black girl. And it's basically on uh, the relationship with the other black girl and how things turn south. Um, it's a good book. It's a New York Times bestseller. It's a popular book that just came out, I think, in the spring just this year. So something that's entertaining and good to listen or read. Okay. Mine is kind of... Not one, but a few documentaries on 9-11. And I think that we may actually in the future be discussing 9-11. But I really, you know, even though I went through that day, I went through it emotionally detached. And I, I think that was probably, you know, the way I processed things at that age. So now that I'm older... Uh, I've really been watching, you know, a lot of the documentaries that have been on television and, um, there are three that I've watched that are, are particularly like 9-11, uh, New York city epicenters, um, 9-11 to 20, 21 and a half that Spike Lee's four part documentary where I actually have a friend of mine that's uh, interviewed in the film. The second one that really was uh, really powerful was Turning Point 9-11 and the War on Terror on Netflix. Obviously, 20-year anniversary is coming up this weekend. And I'm more about the nuance and the reality of, of circumstances. And I think these documentaries actually get into that. So um, I definitely appreciated them. And there's probably another 20 more documentaries that are coming out this week. I will say we've had some summer interruptions uh, due to some personal circumstances and things of that nature. But we're back on our grind. So every two weeks, you'll see us. And then we'll have a special show like we did this weekend for now. But this is A for my mic sounds nice. Signing off. This is Kev from My Mic Sounds Nice. This is Tim. My mic sounds nice. Clear to your ears. Dealing with life and taking away your fears. Peace. <laughs>